Welcome to Stories of Change and Creativity. I'm Judy Oscom, a professor in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Texas State University. This podcast features interviews with professionals who inspire, educate, and motivate. On this episode, I talk to Anna Mazurik. She's a freelance photographer, writer, and university lecturer. Her clients include the Wall Street Journal, Rolling Stone, Facebook, and more. Anna loves to travel. She's visited more than 50 countries. She is author of the book, Good With Money, A Guide to Prioritizing Spending, Maximizing Savings, and Traveling More. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, I've wanted to travel for as long as I can remember, even when I was young. My aunt was a big traveler, and she really inspired me. And I studied abroad in England during my junior year of college, and that's sort of what really sparked the travel bug. And I didn't know anyone. I went alone. And if I were to go back and sort of pinpoint that one definitive moment that sort of launched my life as a traveler, I would have to say it was getting on that plane to England. That's great. Well, and I think all at this point in time, we all want to get on a plane and go somewhere, <laughs> right? The timing is just I crazy, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is, it, travel will come back. And I think we're all excited about what we're going to do next. Now, um, the, the title of this podcast is stories of change and creativity, and you certainly have had to lean in to change and be creative in order to travel. How have you been able to do that over the years? So, well, for me, I, well, when I started studying abroad, I, that was like, well, I want to travel. This is something that I want to make part of my life. And it took, it took a lot of sacrifice sort of trying to, there's a lot of planning. It's never just a split set. You, you can make the decision quickly, but the actual planning takes a lot longer. It, it was more just kind of figuring out, it was honestly just getting my priorities in order. Once you kind of figure out what you wanted to do and travel became my number one priority and it has always been and even is till this day. And so I've sort of aligned everything around it. There were a lot of sacrifices that I would, you know, take and I would just, when I, even when I, you know, I would rent rooms from friends. There was one time where I rented out my friend's living room for $230 a month so I could save up for a South America trip. So I wasn't wasting any money on rent. So there's a lot of things there, but it really just kind of came down to doing the research, figuring out how much it was going to cost. And then, you know, making, it's all about investing in the experience. You don't have to live, you know, very lavishly and still enjoy a trip. And I think the, the story that really kind of brings this all about how a lot of the changes that I've done is 2008, the lovely recession. I, life had been wonderful. I had gotten out of graduate school. I went to graduate school at the University of Missouri and got my master's in photojournalism. I did an internship for a year at a timing publishing company in Birmingham, Alabama, and then got hired by Southern Living to be a contract photographer. So I was getting paid to travel and was living. Everything was great. And then the economy crashed and all of my work was gone. And I had wanted to move to Australia because they had a work visa for Americans that was new. And it was something that I really wanted to do. And but it took a lot of planning. And then as I was looking into that, all of this stuff started going great for my career. And I was like, well, what do I do? What do I do? But the recession, and I knew I was still going to do it, but the recession made it a little bit clearer. And I set a date when my lease ended and I saved up and I did the math and I kind of figured out how much money I would need. And it kind of came down from that. And then I went from living, you know, on, on an expense account and having my Hilton Diamond, you know, membership at hotels to being like, okay, I'm going to have to live in hostels and live cheap. My life is going to change dramatically, but it was worth it. And even when I was in Australia that year, you know, money was tight, but I feel like it was some of the best travels and experiences of my life. Cause I was, you know, I met some people and we did a road trip and we were like sleeping in our rental car on the side of the road on the great ocean road, which is kind of like, um, sort of the Pacific coast highway version in Australia. And so it was some of the best stories and adventures of my life from that. So it's just a lot about 
just being creative and, you know, if you really want to do something, just doing it. And like the thing is the timing is never going to be right. You just have to do it and figure out all the logistics. And I'm very good at the planning. And I have enjoyed reading your book. It's called Good With Money, A Guide to Prioritizing Spending, Maximizing Saving, and Traveling More. And I think that's, you've got such great tips in this book about, I've got so many things uh, dog-eared in here that I'm, I'm, I'm making notes uh, on the sideline about, about things to do. But you really did have a financial philosophy going into this. Can you talk about that? Well, it kind of came down to the idea of, I've always, it was a lot, it was a lot of it was influenced by Buddhism and the idea of focusing on the long-term over the short-term. Like my long-term goal is to do like maybe it's just, now it, it's different than it was then, but previously it was like this specific trip. Now I've gotten into a point where I'm not having to like, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck like I had been earlier. I've gotten to a point where I'm very financially stable and that has been one of the biggest things. So it kind of came from this idea of like focusing on the long-term and sort of you know, if my priority is to travel, I'm slashing relentlessly everywhere in my budget that I can. So it's all about those things, like focusing on what I wanted to do there and kind of going from that standpoint. And also it's just, most people don't really, and I tell my students this too, like you need to figure out how much it costs for you to live every month. Like your rent, you know, if you have a mortgage, food, car insurance, all of that stuff, health insurance, and then kind of figure out how much money you have coming in. Cause that gives you an idea of how much you can save and where you can cut and slash. And a lot of it for me was fine tuning all of that. And then kind of going from there to be like, where can I save? Where can I make more money? And those types of situations and just sort of eliminating what I didn't need. And I've done some extreme things from time to time, but it's just, you get to a certain point where it's just my, it's just part of my personality and my routine. Now I know how much to spend on certain things and how much certain things cost. So I'm not having to sit there and sort of track it. Like I always, like when I travel, I track how much I spend an app and I've done blog posts. I tracked my travel for an entire trip in South America for seven months. And I wrote down, this is how much I spend on everything from, you know, you have to pay to go to the toilet in some places to, you know, flights and things like that. But it really, you don't necessarily have, I don't do that as much now, but I do for certain trips, but it kind of came down to just the overall, like figuring out how much money you have and how much is coming in and where you can spend and where you can where you can cut costs and save in those types of situations. I mean, it's not fun to do that. Nobody enjoys that, but that's really sort of what has helped me overall. Well, and uh, you talk in the book about the art of slow travel. I thought that was really interesting that there, you know, can you talk about the three main ways that people think about travel? Well, the, the different ways with traveling. So basically what people will do is they will save up money and they'll go on their two week vacation and they will just spend it on everything. They'll just drop all the money. They'll eat out fancy meals. Just it's overindulgence. You're making up for not having a vacation for a year and just living it up for a week, but that's not sustainable because nobody can live like that. I mean, <laughs> the average person cannot live like that long-term finding it's not something that's financially viable, but then there are people who wait until, you know, they're like, I'm going to do this when I retire. Maybe they retire early or, their plan is to like do it when they retire. But the issue with that is you don't really know, number one, you don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to make it till, till retirement. You also don't know if your health is going to hold up. Slow travel has been the way to sort of come, it's been the compromise between those two. And essentially what that is, is where you're traveling long-term, you're traveling slower. So therefore you're traveling cheaper because it is much cheaper to travel long-term and be somewhere for a few months than it is to go back and do 14 different trips to that country to do that same trip. Like I, you know, I spent seven months in South America. I've spent, I was in Australia for a year. It's much cheaper to go and do that long-term than it would be to go to each one of those places on a two-week vacation or on a short trip here and there, just when you add up airfare. So you're cutting off those main expenses. And when you're traveling slowly, you're taking public transit, which is, you know, 
it, that way you're actually seeing more of the country and where you are and sort of what it's really like to live there in those types of situations. So I kind of like that as well, because you're kind of being more immersed in the culture and, and learning more about the country. And you're actually getting to physically see more of it as well. So for me, it's always been the way to go because it's just going to be cheaper and you just really get to experience it so much. You're not rushed from one thing to another because you know, because those main tourist sites, the things that ever, you, you know, it's good to see those, but there's a lot more to it. And you really learn a lot more about the country when you actually spend time there and live there and you get to sort of explore outside of those touristy areas. And I think too, I wonder with all of the innovations that are going to come out of the pandemic, as far as how we work and remote work, uh, do you think that's going to kind of provide some new opportunities for people who do want to to do slow travel or go live in a country for an extended period of time? Remote work was the future. It already was before the pandemic. I do think the pandemic has accelerated that and it's made companies who were kind of against it or on the fence see that like this is a viable option. And maybe even they noticed that, hey, this could save us some money too. So I think, I think there've been studies that are saying business travel might not go back to what it was before. Cause it's like, well, if we can do this on zoom, do we really need to fly everybody to Bali or, or, you know, or LA or wherever? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that is, but I think it will open up a lot of options for people. And, and there's already, I mean, you've already got the digital nomad scene of people who are working remotely and traveling. And that's something that I've been part of here and there in those situations. The only trick with that is that if your job is glued to a certain time zone and you have to be, you know, you're still working your eight hour day, but you don't have to be in a physical place. That means you still might have to work us hours, but if you're in Thailand, that's the middle of the night. So sure. I think that it comes with some creativity with that. And, you know, I've done that before, but I've just, I find certain time zones are better than others. Australia and New Zealand are terrible, but Thailand works well with the 12 hours. But I, I think it just depends on where you are and what type of work you have. But I think that that is the future. And I think that that's something that people should look into more if you want to travel. And it's not a situation where you necessarily have to go all year, but even if you just want to go for a month or two at a time, maybe that's the best time for your job where like there's the season where it's slower, where you might not need to be, you know, in, you, you know, you're not going to have to be anywhere in person. Or it's, it's not, it's a slower time of year. The work's not going to be as crazy. So it's not a big deal that if you're in a different place. Yeah, I would think so too. And I just think, you know, the notion that travel costs so much money, I think that's one thing that you explain in your book that you've done a lot of this travel for years on an average income of $30,000. That's incredible. In the year, yes, the years in the book, that was my average income for that. And I have had jobs that have helped pay for some of my travel, which has helped with that. But the, honestly, the biggest thing is it's, it's for, unless you're in Europe or Australia, for the most part, then it's honestly cheaper to live abroad than it is to live in the U.S. because you don't have to pay for U.S. health insurance, travel insurance. U.S. health insurance will not cover you abroad except for an emergency. Certain plans will you have to have really good insurance for it to cover you abroad. And if it does, it's one of those we'll pay you back later type deals or only covers emergencies. So you're better off paying for travel medical insurance, which mm-hmm. is, you know, $50 a month or something like that versus paying the <laughs> intense premiums for mm-hmm. U.S. insurance. So that that's another thing as well. It's just cheaper for the most part to live abroad. And so I think that's something as well that people you're making your, you know, you're making your U S income if you're an American or, you know, from whatever country you're from, then you're able to save more money too. For me, I just like warm weather. So I personally like to go warm places. I try to avoid winter. (laughs) So that's always, that's my number one priority, but I think it is, it is cheaper as well. And I think people have this notion that traveling, especially long-term, like, how am I going to afford it? But it actually can be cheaper or the exact same cost as your current life. So why would you not do it? Sure, exactly. Well, and tell me, how many countries have you been to? And what's your favorite country? Do you have a favorite? 
I, well, I've been to about, I have a spreadsheet because my friends and I have a, a game about this, but I'm at 52 countries right now. Wow. wow. I, it would have been 53, but I had to cancel a Philippines trip in December of last year because there was a typhoon. But I'd say my favorite would be, it's hard to say, like Thailand is always going to be one of my favorites. I love Argentina. I love all of Southeast Asia. But for the most part, I'd say Thailand. It's something that I, I went there when I lived in Australia. I lived there for a year. And I got a job running photo trips for high school students out of, based out of Thailand. And I got that job and I, you know, traveled around Thailand before and after and thought that was my, you know, that was it with Thailand. But I ended up doing that job for five years. And I mostly got based in India through them. But I love Thailand so much that I kept going back. And I'm just, I love the culture. I love the food. And it's warm and I love warm weather. I'm starting to try to learn Thai now. So it's something that it's a place that I'm also intrigued by Buddhism. And the people are nice and it's safe. I just love it. It's just one of my favorite places. And it's got a very, the thing about Thailand that's so interesting compared to the rest of Asia is that Thailand, it was never, it was never invaded. It was never colonized. So it's mm. got a different, it's got a very authentic culture that wasn't affected or sort of influenced as much as all the countries around it. It's also doesn't have as much of a tragic cult. Like there, you don't have those, it doesn't have as dark of a history as some of the places mm-hmm. around it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and what about safety? Uh, you know, a woman alone traveling or a woman with a couple of friends traveling, is it safe? I th- it is safe. And I think it depends on where you are. Some places are safer than others. And that's sort of why I would say, t- I mean, I love Argentina, but it's not a place I'm going to walk around by myself at night necessarily, mm-hmm. depending on the town, like in Buenos Aires, which is my favorite city in the world. But at night, it's like I'm always on the lookout for like old pickpockets or, or something like that. But like in Thailand, it's just, it's so safe. It's, it's super, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure if you're in certain places, you know, party areas that people will pickpocket you. But for the most part, I've felt, I've always felt very safe there. It's a place that I know really well. And safety is always my biggest concern. And, and I want to make a really good point that you should never compromise your safety to save money. Like I will always pay for safety in a situation. Like if you have to pay for a taxi or if you have to pay for a place that's more expensive than you normally, that you would budget normally to stay, I think it's worth it for your safety. So I want to be really clear about that. You never compromise your safety to save money. But I always try to focus on being aware of the issues in towns and places where I am. South America wasn't as safe as Asia. So I knew that was an issue. So there were just times where I wouldn't go out at night. If I went out, I'd only go out with friends or I would only have the money that I needed. I wouldn't carry my camera around. It's a lot of doing the research and asking. Like I would always go to the receptionist at a hostel or somebody at a restaurant or even an expat that I met there. And I'm like, hey, I'm a photographer. I want to photograph this place. Obviously, I want to go at sunrise or sunset because that's the best light. Is it safe for me as a foreigner to do that? What do you, you know, like, do you go to this part of town, that type of thing? But a lot of it's the research and just talking to people and just staying in places that are safe. And as in Buenos Aires, I rented an apartment. They always had a like a security guy at the bottom in that type of situation. But in Thailand, it's a place where it's a very safe country. I mean, things happen everywhere. But that's a situation where I feel a lot safer. I don't have to be on my guard as much in other countries. So I think that's also why I like going back there in Southeast Asia is that like, that's just one less worry to have. Yeah, yeah. And, and after, after this pandemic lifts, then what, what's your first country that you're going to? Where were you going next? Well, <laughs> I, have this lovely, I have this lovely plan for 2020 that didn't happen. Well, a lot of it depends on work travel because I do run photo trips for a company called, I, I teach photography for a company called Lindblad and they do, they run the National Geographic Expeditions. So these are very small like trips that are based, they're based on cruise ships, but they're under 150 to 100 people max. So they're small trips. So a lot of it's determined on that schedule. So I should be in Europe where I was supposed to be this year. Scotland is my plan. I will definitely be back in Southeast Asia for the winter. I usually get most of my um, 
medical stuff done in Thailand. The, the healthcare is really nice and really good and very efficient. So a lot of it's like, I need to go back for a physical because <laughs> it's been two years now. And, um, but I also want to go to, I love Portugal. I went last year, not last year, the 2019, pardon me. And I really want to go to the Azores. I'm trying to get a trip into the Azores there. And then I've got, I'm going to pair a little bit of Europe travel. I'm going to travel differently after the pandemic for a little bit. I'm going to focus on places that I know, places that are safe, places that have good health care. I'm going to get the vaccine as soon as I'm able to do that. And obviously it's most likely going to be required for most places to travel, but I'm going to focus on that. I'm not going to like, I was supposed to go to Brazil over the winter and that didn't happen. And that's something I'm going to put off for a while just because of their healthcare system, how the pandemic is not done well there, that type of thing that's going to be pushed off. So I'm going to focus more on places that I know or places that I know are safe. And, you know, once it's safe to go visit friends again, I'll probably be focusing on that as well. So, and I don't think I'll be, you know, normally I would stay in a hostel just because it's easy to meet people and it's a social thing, but I'll probably avoid that partly because I don't want to be quarantined in a place like that or, you know, just so that's sort of how things will change a bit. But my plan is to go to certain places. I've got some other exciting trips. I don't want to like say too much because they might not work out. (laughs) I've got some exciting new countries um, in play. So I'm excited for that. So we'll see, but most likely back to Southeast Asia and parts of Europe. And then we'll see from there. A lot of it just depends on what, what's open and what's safe. And and that's something that I, it's hard to say right now. I've, you know, been Googling flights and dreaming, but. <laughs> right, right. We all have, right? We all have. Well, well, look ahead in five years, Anna, where, where will you be country count wise? How many countries will you be in five years? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. It depends. I think I tend to go back to places that I like and sort of mm-hmm. dig in a little more because you can't see everything on your first trip. And so I kind of like, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like nice to go back to New York and not have to feel like I need to do touristy things. So just go for find cool local stuff. So for me, a lot of it's kind of digging into stuff like that. I hopefully will have in five years, at least 20 more countries. Maybe I'm making that up. Um, but hopefully three next year, at least. Yeah, that's good. Well, and, and tell us where, where can we get the book? Good with money, a guide to prioritizing spending, maximizing savings and traveling more, which we all want to do right now. Where can we get the book? Um, you can get it on Amazon. It is available in paperback and in Kindle. So if you just search Good With Money in there or search my name, you can find it. You can also go to goodwithmoneybook.com. That will take you to my blog and it will link to the Amazon from there. And your blog, Travel Like Anna, great photographs. My gosh, great photographs and uh, and articles about cities and money-saving tips, uh, great resources. So I would encourage our listeners to take a look at travellikeanna.com and uh, take a look at the book because we are all ready to travel right now, Anna. <laughs> Me too. We <laughs> it's going to come are. back big. <laughs> That's right. It's going to come back big and we're going to be there. Well, listen, I want to thank you for joining us today on Stories of Change and Creativity. And I hopefully we'll see you on the plane or in another country sometime, sometime soon. Thank you so much for having me and everybody be safe and well. Thank you for listening to Stories of Change and Creativity. Check out the show notes for more information about this episode. You can find this podcast on any of your favorite streaming platforms. If you have a story to tell or know someone who does, reach out to me at judyoscom.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.